following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. I'd like to welcome everyone to Common Ground Sunday morning practice group. My name is Gail Iverson, and Mark is leading a retreat. Um, today at, at Holy Spirit Retreat Center for about 40 of the community members, and he'll be back this evening, so I'm filling in for him this morning. So I'm going to start out by um, chanting the Buddhist words on loving kindness, and these are on page 28. And for this chant, we... Um, just try to be as uh, present as possible while we're chanting it, um, being present with the sound of our voice and the sound of the voices of others who are chanting, and also to um, connect with the words. Now let us chant the Buddha's words on loving kindness. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Yeah. 
want uh, food, we want uh, drink, we want um, physical comforts, um, we want to, um, we have a desire to have our lives in a specific way. And um, so all of these are, are fine. Um, we just need to develop this attention, this awareness of when um, we are um, clinging to a desire, when we're attached to a particular outcome that's when um, we experience this uh, craving that results in suffering. Um, just for an example of a desire that is uh, wholesome, I'd like to read just a brief paragraph here from a essay by uh, Tanasaro Bhikkhu. And um, he says, the word Satipatthana is the name for an approach to meditation aimed at establishing Sati or mindfulness. <laughs> the term Sati is related to the verb Sarati, to remember or to keep in mind. It is sometimes translated as non-reactive awareness, free from agendas simply present with whatever arises. But the formula for Satipatthana doesn't support that translation. Non-reactive awareness is actually an aspect of equanimity, a quality fostered in the course of Satipatthana. The activity of Satipatthana, however, definitely has a motivating agenda. The agenda is the desire for awakening, which is classed not as a cause of suffering but as part of the path leading to its end. The role of mindfulness is to keep the mind properly grounded in the present moment in a way that will keep it on the path. To make an analogy, awakening is like a mountain on the horizon, the destination to which you are driving a car. Mindfulness is what remembers to keep attention focused on the road to the mountain rather than letting it stay focused on glimpses of the mountain or getting distracted by other paths leading away from the road. So it's important as we're exploring, um, uh, seeking to understand this uh, truth of the origin of, of suffering that we have this understanding about um, what is uh, skillful um, desire and what is um, uns what unskillful desires are. And that's what we do through our attentiveness and our awareness. Um, in each moment, experience is coming to us. And um, whenever we remember, uh, whenever mindfulness arises, then we can, um, we can reflect on the, um, the skillfulness or unskillfulness of, um, of that desire and the, um, the actions that um, we choose to that the actions that we choose um, 
based on that desire. So there are these three aspects of, um, well, before, before I say this, I'd just like to um, say about a little bit more about um, what this craving, this clinging um, is. So we all have preferences, um, many, many preferences. We like this, we don't like that. We, um, a lot of our action is based on um, <coughs> acting on our preferences, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with having preferences. Um, the Third Zen Patriarch um, wrote a poem called um, Verses on the Faith Mind. And the opening line of that poem says, um, the great way is not difficult for those who are not attached to their preferences. So. This is a, a really important um, area for us to investigate. Quite a few years ago, I spent three months at um, the Bhavana Society in West Virginia, which is uh, run by a well-known um, Western, well-known Vipassana teacher, Bhante um, Gunaratana, and. Bani Gunaratana is of Sri Lankan origin. And so um, at the center, they had a Sri Lankan cook who prepared the, all of the, well, there were that many meals because it was a monastery. So um, basically, it was one meal at, at noon. And uh, so my um, strong preference is for food not to be hot grew up in Minnesota and <laughs> wasn't exposed to much to hot food when I was young, so I really have a strong preference for it not being hot. But the cook was Sri Lankan, and if anyone knows about Sri Lankan food, it tends to have quite a bit of heat to it. As a matter of fact, there used to be a curry house in, um, over in Hennepin called the Sri Lankan Curry House. My sister, who does like hot food, one time she went there, and um, the food was so hot, she said that she experienced that um, thing that she had seen in the comics, where steam comes out your ears. She actually experienced that. So, but it was very interesting. I don't know if it was because of I was doing a meditation retreat, so I was um, doing, uh, trying to be mindful as much as possible, moment to moment. And um, that I, I didn't get, I, I was just, I accepted that. I just accepted that the, the food was hot and that that was OK. And um, it just wasn't a problem. So we all have those experiences where you can see where our our preferences are. You know, we, we know we have a preference, but it's in that moment, it's just OK. And so it's helpful for us to um, to reflect and, and focus on that. And then when our, um, the outcome, when we're not able to um, have things the way we prefer, 
and we are um, strongly not liking that, then we can um, be kind to ourselves, first of all, and um, then we can see if it's possible to, to soften um, a bit about that and to, to open up. See if we can allow some of that attachment to to loosen. So the there are three parts of this um, truth that um, three areas that the the Buddha breaks down where our craving um, tends to arise. So. With sensual desire, it's um, any experience that's coming to us through any of our six senses. So um, you know, it can be um, through seeing or hearing, smelling, tasting, through thinking or through feeling, um, where we have these um, these attachments, and um, so we have lots and lots and lots of opportunities to. Um, to explore and investigate. And, and it really is that kind of, um, having that kind of attitude of um, bringing you know, an interest to our experience, um, bringing a desire for understanding. Um, sometimes it, it's really helpful to um, sort of reflect on um, our faith in the teachings and to, to see if they're, um, you know, kind of where that is in, in, in a particular moment of um, if we have faith that um, this is possible, that um, that it's possible to um, to understand this origin of, of suffering, um, to become clear about it. So the second part of the um, the second area where there is uh, craving is um, craving for being, and um, so this is any time where we want to be someone in particular. Um, we want to. Um, be a good parent or a good driver or a good worker or um, anything that uh, that we want to become and not again you know many of those things are skillful uh, desires but it's when um, we have some idea in mind of how the outcome should be, and then when that outcome doesn't match the idea that we had, then we get um, disappointed, angry, um, upset, irritated, um, whatever our reaction is. And then 
that is um, is not skillful. That is a being. has its roots in greed or um, ill will um, and not understanding. So um, it's important to to look at those um, moments of, of wanting to to be whatever and to see if there's what kind of if any attachment is is present. And then the the third part part of this is a craving for non-being. So we're all familiar with this. Um, we are being, 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 and then all of a sudden we're tired of being. <laughs> we don't want to be anymore. <laughs> we, you know, so like at the end of the day, you know, we come home, and um, you know we're tired and we're hungry, and you know we just we just like to kind of collapse into our bed or collapse into our chair and, you know, read a book or watch the TV or whatever, you know, um, we'd like to, our being to be ended at that point, um, we'd like to distract ourselves from the, um, the discomfort of, um, of being. And, um, So this is this, you know, non-being is a very broad. Um, this craving for non-being is is very broad. From um, you know, it goes all the way from suicide to um, being um, my, my, mildly irritated. So again, a lot of area for for exploration um, and a lot of opportunity to. Um, to investigate and to see what is a skillful way of relating. And usually the you know, most skillful way of relating is to, um, to the best of our ability to bring this okayness, um, to be aware of whatever the experience is in the present moment, and to bring this okayness to the best of our ability to that. Um, one of the ways that I find helpful to to look at this is to um, to think of it as a process of reconciliation or self-forgiveness. Well, there's so much that um, things that we we regret or things that we would like you know, projecting into the future, things that we would like to be a certain way. And so just having this um, attitude of, of reconciliation towards our experience can be a really kind and gentle way to um, kind of encourage us to, to be interested um, and, and to investigate it. I'd just like to read briefly from this is a talk that uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu gave that if you asked even the most sober students of South African affairs what they thought was going to happen to South Africa a few years ago, almost universally they predicted that the most ghastly catastrophe would befall us, that as sure as anything we would be devastated by a comprehensive bloodbath. 
It did not happen. Instead, the world watched with amazement, indeed awe, at the long lines of South Africans of all races snaking their way to their polling booths on April 27, 1994, and they thrilled as they witnessed Nelson Mandela being inaugurated as the first democratically elected president of South Africa on May 10, 1994. Nearly everyone described what they were witnessing, a virtually bloodless, reasonably peaceful transition from justice and oppression to freedom and democracy as a miracle. When the disaster did not overtake us, there were those who said, wait until the black-led government takes over, then the blacks who have suffered so grievously in the past will engage in the most fearful orgy of revenge and retribution against the whites. Well, the prediction was not fulfilled. Instead, the world saw something quite unprecedented. They saw the process of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission when perpetrators of some of the most gruesome atrocities were given amnesty in exchange for a full disclosure of the facts of the offense. Instead of revenge and retribution, this new nation chose to tread the difficult path of confession, forgiveness, and reconciliation. So I find that a really inspiring um, way to, to um, look at the possibility of um, how we can relate to, um, to the things from our past that, that we regret and for the things that um, we attribute uh, the, the harms and hurts to other people. Now, of course, reconciliation is something that can't be forced. Um, it's a process, and it's something that, that takes time. But I think we can really work with this um, idea when we're working with this truth um, of uh, suffering and um, just look at that possibility of, in any moment, if there can be this um, self-forgiveness, and then you know, that can go um, to forgiveness of, of others as well. So I'd like to um, stop there and just uh, take a few minutes to see if there are any um, comments or anything that um, experiences that you have had working with preferences or with um, reconciliation. Just be interesting to hear from anybody who would be interested in sharing. say that this um, this desire this craving for for non-being it is it's just at least on one level we can look at it as a, as a really um, 
in a really simple way. And that is that whenever um, something arises that we don't like, we don't want, um, we um, something that we would like to end in that moment, that um, that is a is, is an example of, of that. Of you know, we don't want to. Be that person who's experiencing um, that discomfort or unpleasantness that's arising in that moment. And so, if we, um, you know, usually we do two things: we either um, try to push it away, we try, we try to um, push it away, like by distracting ourselves. And not that there's anything wrong, of course. But, you know, that's our human coping mechanism to a large degree is to distract ourselves. But um, but it's not a very skillful means uh, because that um, feeds that habit. And so, um, and it, it um, doesn't lead to clarity of that. So, so it, it, that more skillful thing is to is to turn towards whatever that um, discomfort or dislike is in that moment and um, just see if we can be present with it, if we can have an interest, if we can explore it, um, and see what that result is. But having that different. Um, also, so, so sometimes we distract ourselves the other way that we often deal with that, um, those types of feelings are that we um, get so, in, you know, like there, that is us, and, you know, that is all we are, that is all we are ever going to be, we're just so, we, you know, we really wallow in it, we get so absorbed in it that, um, you know, we can't, that's all we can see, um, you know, we're just really stuck in that. We, and we can't see it clearly, and that it's just something that's arising in that moment, and that um, that will end. There's a lot more that could be said about not being that Thanks for asking. So, anything else that? Any questions or comments that people have? I think what the pattern I see in myself is a tendency to obsess, and um, I can I can heal one area of obsession and then it sort of out into another area and help. To obsess about, um, and lately I've be, been beginning to notice that um, if I'm doing something repetitively, for example, crossword puzzles, I can get really lost in crossword puzzles, and or puzzles of any kind, uh, which don't really take me anywhere, but they kind of put me in a novel place, and then I'm beginning to see that there's. 
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.